At Wildwood Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. My name is Jonathan Holmes, and uh, I have the great privilege of serving here uh, with some of those incredible faces. That Those videos are getting perpetually harder for me. Uh, it's been a tradition for me to, uh, to preach on uh, Senior Sunday, but now I'm seeing like the sixth graders whenever I got here. So I'm like, oh, I'm okay. Oh, yeah, I just got to speak. Right, it's just, just cruel at this point. Uh, man, it's just, it's so, so great to be with you all this morning. Uh, if you don't, if you don't know me, my, my title here is, uh, I'm the college and student pastor. And so I get to spend time with middle school students, high school students, all the way up to college students, uh, that I'm, that I'm able to be a part of. I work with an incredible team. You saw Abe, uh, Sierra and, uh, and Naomi and Kevin Choate, who is our new middle school minister, just got married two days ago. And then, uh, we also have a couple interns, Brooklyn Green and, uh, Bethany Randall. And so, uh, it's just, a, it's an incredible team. Uh, I I love being able to walk and partner with families uh, as we seek to disciple teenagers to follow Jesus together, the glory of God. Uh, I am married to Amber, uh, who's here, and then we have two kiddos, uh, Quinn, who's uh, five years old, and she's jumping into kindergarten, so I will take all advice and counseling coming to my inbox, uh, so send it my way. We're jumping into the kindergarten world, and then uh, we have a a son, Ollie, or Oliver, who is three, and he thinks he should be going to kindergarten. So uh, it's a a great time in the Holmes family. Um, You know, this is a a special occasion because we are celebrating our our seniors in in high school this morning, this big transition, uh, and our prayer for as a church is for them to uh, not just succeed, but to follow Jesus, right? That that is our goal, that is our focus as parents and as a church. And I wrote this down just as I reflect on uh, the senior Sundays in the past. I mean, it is uh, the soil of a teenager's life is a worthy toil for the church, right? May we never forget the importance of investing in the next generation, teaching them how to follow Jesus, not only by teaching, but by living as an example in following him. I'm excited to be here this morning as we continue on in our series called The Church. And so if you have your Bible, you'd like to turn with me, uh, it's Acts 2, and we will be starting in verse 42. Last week was Mother's Day, so we had a break in the series. Uh, so let me do a, a quick recap on what Mark has already covered, and we'll jump back in as we talk about the community of the church. And so the first week at the start of the series, Mark began the series talking about the creation of the church and how Jesus gathers unconnected people and connects them into his body. One of his points was the spirit of God is known where the people of God are. I love that line. Next, Mark preached in Ephesians 3 that the mystery of the church, although is not prophesied in the Old Testament, It is revealed to bring God glory in the new. Paul calls this a mystery that reveals the manifold wisdom of God to all. And this morning, we're going to talk about the creation of the church. So in Acts 2, starting in verse 42, we'll be reading from the ESV this morning. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders 
and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, as we read your word, we believe that it is the absolute truth. It is your direct revelation to us. It is inerrant and it is applicable for our hearts, our minds, and our very lives this morning. Lord, I pray that your spirit would be active in the lives, in the hearts, and the minds of the believers here this morning, and that we would not leave this place unchanged by your word. Lord, I pray that we would know it, we would understand it, we would trust it, and we would do it. And we pray all this in the beautiful name of your Son, Jesus Christ, and by your Spirit. Amen. So one of the current Christian buzzwords, it's been around for a while, is the word community. You should know this because you go to Wildwood Community Church, right? That this is what we're known for. We are known for community. And it's a buzzword, not just because we believe in it or that we participate in it, but we also naturally crave it. So we have a natural craving to be known and to know others. Now, the introverts in the room are like, uh-uh, right? Like, you're on a smaller scale, okay? Us extroverts don't fully understand why. So, but we're all in this together in the sense that we understand the importance of community, gathering together around a common purpose, a common goal, and we crave community. We want it to be authentic, yet we struggle with the community we find, maybe in churches or in our schools or at our jobs, And largely, it's because we live in an age of pseudo-connection. We live in an age where we communicate more often than not over screens instead of conversations. Behind keyboards instead of voices. We communicate in ways that facilitate our connection instead of participating in our connection. So more than ever... Our culture, our generation, my generation, your generation craves authentic community. We crave connection with other people. And I believe that the best answer for this natural craving is found in the church. It's found in the community of the church. This authentic community, this need or desire to be known and to know others and to be entrusting open relationships with each other can best be found in the community of the church. This morning, we're going to look at this passage in Acts chapter 2, and I would like for us to answer three questions as we look at it. The first is, what were they devoted to? So when we think of the community of the church, what were they devoted to? This very early church, what were they remembered for? And then what was the outcome? Okay. What were they devoted to? What were they remembered for? And then what was the outcome? As we think of the community that's found in the early church.
church. So the first thing is, what were they devoted to? So right before our passage, our passage begins with and. So if you ever have a devotional or you start reading and the first word is and, you should probably flip a couple pages back and just get a little bit of a context of what's going on. So our first word is and. So there is a lot that's happened before. And there's a huge event that happened before. Right before this is the day of Pentecost. That's a big deal. We need to know that as we think of what's happening in this early church. The day of Pentecost happens. Peter preaches this beautiful sermon and calls, calls people from all nations to repent and trust in the name of Jesus. And then we read in verse 41, something incredible happens. So those who received his word, that, that sermon from Peter, from Peter, were baptized And there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's incredible. The first sermon is taught, and we see people come, they repent of their sin, they turn to Christ from all nations. And you know what this language, this, this idea, you know what this reminds you of, or should remind us of? Jesus' last words. His last words in Matthew 28 right before he ascends into heaven. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. These people heard the gospel and they were made a disciple. For the first time we see the church participating in the mission of God. Oftentimes, we think of what is the mission of the church? That's a really bad question. The question you should be asking is much more like this, that we understand that God has a mission and that mission has a people. That mission has a church. So God sets this mission and he says, this is the great commission to make disciples. And we see the church hear that and proclaim that the mission has a community and that community is called the church. So then that happens and right after we see kind of this check-in on the community of believers that's occurring during this time. And in verse 42, it says this, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. This is incredible. So thousands of converts. And what do they do? They devote themselves. What were they devoted to? I love the NSB translates that very first phrase as this. They were continually devoting themselves. That verb there in the Greek, that that is continual devotion. It's a focus. It's a mentality. And we'll see later on, it's day by day devotion. It's not this is our general plan or purpose. It is daily faithful focus and devotion. So what were they devoted to? The first is they were devoted to the apostles' teaching. And that very teaching is authenticated in that very last phrase there. The many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. How do we know they're messengers of God? How do we know they truly are apostles of the one true God? They're doing signs and wonders in the community of believers. So they were a learning community. They were devoted to hearing God's truth, understanding it, and believing 
true doctrine. I love Paul's command in 1 Timothy 4. Keep a close watch on yourself, as Paul is speaking and commanding Timothy, and on the teaching. Persist in this or devote yourself to this. Continually focus on this. For by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Paul's great encouragement to his friend and his co-laborer is pay attention to your doctrine because truth matters. Where is truth found? It is found in the word of God, the absolute truth, the direct revelation from him. It is inerrant and it is applicable today. That is where truth is found and it matters. I loved my time at Dallas Seminary and there was this big old sign and it said five simple words. Teach truth and love well. Church, it's the community. That's what we're seeing here. Teach truth because truth matters. The second thing that they were devoted to was the fellowship. They were devoted to the fellowship which is described as the breaking of bread and of the prayers. And so breaking of bread, that should remind you of the Lord's Supper or communion. And that is included here, but it also, we later realize it's not just the time at the temple, it's the time outside of that, the corporate fellowship gathering in small group communities. I mean, this is what we read in Acts, we'll read a little later on. That's not just the Lord's table. We have fellowship at the Lord's table as a reminder and a symbol of what Christ has done on our behalf. And then we're reminded of his presence as we sit with each other in shared meals together. The Greek word here is koinonia. And if you know a little bit of Greek, there's a really great chance you know that word. That's a popular word. It's fellowship. It's community. But that overall term means participation. It means that you are participating in the gathering. You're participating in the fellowship. The early church was a sharing community. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to the the doctrine of truth of who God is, and then they were devoted to each other. They shared. They were a learning community, and they were a loving and a sharing community. The order here is important too. See, fellowship is the fruit of doctrine. Fellowship is the fruit of doctrine. As we gather and we learn about who God is, we are all in community together because of our belief in who God is and what he has done on our behalf. And as that shared common language, we come together. It's not because we have similar preferences, experiences, or interests. It's because we've been radically changed by the gospel that we gather in together. And we have fellowship with one another. Doctrine always leads to true fellowship. And something incredible happens in verse 43. And awe came upon every soul. And awe came upon every soul. Awe can be translated as fear, but this is not terror. This is reverence. The fear of God is the start of wisdom. The the fear is reverence. It is awe. It is worship. It is humbly submitting. This Greek word here, phobos, is reserved for times 
when the mind is stunned by what the divine is doing. Phobos is reserved for the times when you see God at work and you can't help but worship because he is obviously doing something in your presence. The awe comes from the evident work of God through the ordinary means of grace, the teaching of truth, and the fellowship of believers. Remember, this is a big moment for the church. We need to remember that they've gone through a little bit of an emotional roller coaster, right? They hear Rabbi Jesus speak of how he is the son of God. They follow him and they see him killed. They go, oh, didn't see that one coming, even though he mentioned it. But still, there's a little bit of terror happening here. But then he rises again and their faith is restored. And then he ascends. So they're going a little back and forth here. And there had to have been doubt. How will we see God working now? How will we see God? He was with us. Jesus, who is fully God, walked amongst us. How is he going to be with us to the end of the age now? And here they see God at work in their midst. And awe occurs. Here it is. God is still working in the community of believers. The second, when we look at this community of the church, we notice what were they remembered for. We ask what were they remembered for. In Acts, again, chapter 2, in verse 44, we read, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. You could take this passage to the extreme, You shouldn't, but you could, and say, when you are welcomed into the church, you are welcomed into the commune, and you cannot have any possessions except for those we share together. We don't do that today, because that's not what we see in the rest of the New Testament. We see that this is not that they they had things to sell, so that they had to have possessions to sell, or that doesn't make sense, but then we see that it's not that they sold everything. They held everything open-handedly. They did not value the thing over the community. It reminds me a lot of what Greg just read. Did not count quality a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing. The community is modeling themselves after the life of Christ, who did not consider this thing more valuable than this thing, the church. They held the community over the valuables. And then later on, we read in Acts 4, if you flip over maybe one or two pages, in Acts 4, verse 32, we, need, we read another description of the church, the community that's occurring here. Acts, 4, chapter, or Acts chapter 4, verse 32, Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, The apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of of lands or houses sold them and bought the proceeds of what was sold. What a beautiful picture of what they will always be characterized for. Unity. Community. That they are gathering together and they are one anothering. There's over 50 commands in the New Testament of how we are to one another, 
how we are to get along, how we are to called to serve and love each other. That goes beyond the walls of Wildwood or of a church. It goes to people. I love this phrase here because that unity can only happen in this description. Believed were of one heart and soul. I would love that description to be true of us today, that our preferences and opinions would not be upheld, but that we would be of one heart and of one soul. But how is that possible? I read that and I go, how could a thousand people gathered at Wildwood, how could we be of one heart and of one soul? What is our fellowship founded on? In John 17, 21, it says this, that they may all be one just as you Father are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. This is Jesus' high priestly prayer. He goes before the Father and he says, just as we are in fellowship, in eternal relationship together, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit triune together, this relationship, may this church, this community be welcomed into that fellowship, that eternal fellowship that is founded on the righteousness of Christ. How do we get in that fellowship? By believing and trusting in his name, by grace. And in that fellowship, there's now an outpouring. We are not only just connected to God, but now we are connected to each other. And as we look at this, we see in 1 John 1, 3, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, that you too may have fellowship with us. And indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. The community of the church is characterized, is remembered for the unity that they had. And that unity does not come from shared opinions or shared experiences. It comes from our belief and transformation in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is how we have fellowship. We are unified in his name. This idea of the fellowship of the church is really different than how we see church today. It's really different because when I say the word Wildwood Community Church, the name Wildwood Community Church, we think of a building. We think of 1501 24th Avenue Northeast, where you go to on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays, but you come and you visit and you attend. The church is not a building. The church is a people. The church is not a place. The church is a people. The Greek word ekklesia will be on the screen, and that's the most common term we see for the church. And when it's describing, it's always describing a people, a gathering of people, and not a location. If this building were to disappear, Wildwood Community Church would still exist. If this building was gone, our unity, our community doesn't disappear with the building because we are the church. See, this might just seem like semantics, like, oh, okay, I get it, but it still kind of is a building. Yes, that's true. But, but listen, if the church is just a building, the church is something you can attend. The church is something that you can experience or you can consume. 
But what we see in Scripture is that the church is a people. And just coming to a place doesn't make you a very good church. When we come to church, it's not that we are attending or consuming, it's we are contributing. When we ask the question, why should I go to church today? It's kind of cloudy or rainy or there's games later on or whatever, or like maybe, oh, you just lost and it's really hard to wake up, whatever it is. That when we struggle to wake up for church, may we not say, oh, I'll just podcast it. Just listen to it. Church is not something you consume. It's something that you are when you come to church. You are participating in the body of Christ. You're using your unique gifts and strengths, your personality, your words as we're singing. We're not just singing at Greg. We're singing as a community with Greg to Christ. I love when I get to sit up here and I get to hear everyone else singing. I'm reminded that I am not alone. I'm in a community of believers that holds Christ. That's true. And I'm following him together to the glory of God. I love this phrase because what, is it, what does it look like for us to move from being contributors away from consumers? What does it mean for us to be participants and not attenders? I love the phrase, have skin in the game. You know that phrase? To have some skin in the game. It, it, it means to have incurred risk by being involved in the mission. Don't just attend church. Be the church. How can we do that? We can serve. We can one another. We can love each other. We can serve each other. We can pray for each other. We can know each other. We can open up our lives to each other. We can eat together. We can take up the Lord's table together. We can give financially together. We can serve students together. Anyone? Okay. But we can serve together. God has uniquely gifted you with your personality, with your giftings to serve and to participate in the community of the church. If you don't feel like you're part of the church, it's because you're not being the church. So then what is the outcome? When we think of that they were devoted to the doctrine of truth, the apostles' teaching, and to the fellowship of believers, they'll be remembered for their unity and how they love one another. What is the outcome of the community of the church? We see it in verse 46. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day, those who were being saved. I love that first phrase there, day by day. Our church terminology, when we're looking for a church, has changed, hasn't it? We're looking for vibrant, relevant, explosive, innovative, hip, revolutionary, insert extreme, I don't know. We're looking for big, better, crazy. What about faithful? Why don't we look for a community of the church that is faithful, that's devoted to the right things? Not everything, but the right things. They teach truth and they love well. And I, I, I see college students, I even see high school students really struggle to plant at a church, and I, I don't get it. Just plant. You're not growing. You don't feel like known or being in community because you're jumping around. Lay roots, be with people, and don't worry about how they are loving you. Worry about loving them. 
be the church. And day by day, marked by faithfulness, this happens. And I I love it. This next phrase, and the Lord added to their number. How does he do it? Day by day. It connects to faithfulness. When we're devoted to the right things, when we hold that true, not programs and principles, but we hold up the mission of God and we say, we'll participate in that. We will teach truth and love well. We will follow Jesus together to the glory of God because that's what matters. Then he will build his church. It's not dependent on us. It's dependent on the faithfulness of Christ and he is the promise keeper. We walk following the one who's faithful and in our faithfulness, being devoted to the right things, being characterized by unity and community, loving one another. May we be the community of the church that we all crave inside. We want to be known. and We want to know others. May we be that church. It's guaranteed success in Matthew 16, 18, so let's go for it. So as I reflect on this, here's the three things we saw this morning. The community of the church is devoted to the teaching of the apostles and the fellowship of believers, loving one another. They were remembered for their care and their community or unity with each other. And finally, the community of the church is revealed in its faithfulness through the power of God to bring faithful growth. The community of the church. And I invite you to be a part of it. Now, there's two different groups of people here this morning. Those who, this is an encouragement. You're like, I love Wildwood and I'm a part of it. I feel known. I feel like I'm in a sweet spot. And honestly, that's me and my family. It comes, it kind of comes with being a pastor. We really feel like we're part of Wildwood, right? And a lot of you do as well. Maybe you're in a serving role, you're plugged into a small group or an AFG, or you just have a good group of people and you're reaching out to others and you're inviting others and you're connecting with each other because you are the church. But there's another group of people who think, Ah, I'm not a part of this. I feel unwelcome within the walls of Wildwood. And I just want to say sorry. I, I hate that you feel that. And I don't want you to believe the lie that your spot in the community of believers is not here. It's here. Let's just find it together. I don't know what the next step is for you. It's probably different for a lot of people. But every generation needs to plug in the unity that we have through the fellowship of God so that we might love one another, teach truth, and love well. And so I would love for you just to think about your life. When I look at the early church, the community that was found there, how can I plug into the community that's found at Wildwood and be the church? Put a little skin in the game and it'll be great. Would you pray with me? Father, we are so grateful for the opportunity to open up your word and to worship with each other. Lord, we recognize that we are an embodied people and that we gather together. We not only sing to you, but we sing to each other. We pray with each other. We stand by one another so that we might accomplish your great mission. Lord, thank you for inviting us to be your partners on this mission, that we can participate in the body of Christ, And it's not dependent on us for success, but you have guaranteed it. Through our faithfulness day by day, we see you working. May it inspire awe in our hearts and our souls this morning. 
Amen.